If there's one thing, be honest with yourself. Because more and more I can notice a lot of people that are trying to get into this for the wrong reasons. Hey everyone, you're listening to 2M Creative Labs, the podcast. This podcast is for those looking to learn, be inspired, and find wisdom in others' story and process as they execute on their passions. Today we hang out with Vince Blaze, a digital content creator with an emphasis on travel content. We dive into the idea of authenticity, what you could learn through vlogging, as well as figuring out your own creative style. If you haven't seen his work before this, find him on Instagram and on YouTube. Give him a follow and send him a message. He's always open to discussions and sharing his insight as a creative. Yeah, let's get started. Um, thanks for uh, doing this podcast. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit of who you are and um, what do you do? Every time you ask that question, I'm like, I'm not prepared for this. This, is, <laughs> this is hilarious. Um, yeah, so my name is Vince Blaze. I guess I'm a creative director, content creator here in Winnipeg. Um, my main focus is travel and commercial work. Um, so I work with a lot of companies um, and trying to gearing myself towards the travel industry as well. Um, so that's moving on. Um, so I also shoot a lot of weddings. I started off with portraits and I did a lot of vlogging at the beginning as well. Um, doing a lot of video work, I think is like my main goal. Um, and it's where I, I guess I put a lot of time into, uh, obviously I shoot a lot of photos as well. Yeah. I saw you were shooting another wedding the other day, I think. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I was, I was just kind of like, oh, I know Vince is working this time, just following you on Instagram. So how did you get started with creative started first with photos and then videos and where you're at now and why is it become a focus on travel content? Yeah, good question. Um, so I started off, I was actually producing music for the longest time. Um, I started in end of high school producing music. Um, so I guess there was a little bit more the spark of the creative side. Then after university, uh, towards the end of it, I kind of ran through a couple of obstacles in my life and got a little bit tired of it, to be honest, and decided to just take my mind off it and pick up a camera. So my mom had a very low quality DSLR. Um, it only shot photos and it was crop sensor and its quality wasn't very high. Um, so I picked that up and I started shooting pictures and my intention was to write a blog. So I would try to get myself to go out a little bit more because I used to spend a lot of time in the studio trying to produce music. Um, so I wanted to go out more, so I decided to write a blog, start a blog, and uh, I wanted to shoot my own pictures for it, just for fun. It, nothing serious, is just what I wanted to do. And then after a while, I shot with a few friends, and then I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, I seem to be decent at this. Like, I've got the eye or whatever you want to call this. Um, so, yeah, after that, I decided to work a part-time job to be able to buy myself and DSLR with video capability because video was my focus. I knew I wanted to end up doing videos. So I yeah worked at uh, as a server in a restaurant for three months and paid my or bought my ADD, which I still shoot on nice. today. Yeah, so I guess that's like literally how I started at the beginning, um, how I got into it. And then after that, about six months into it, I just was getting frustrated and cause I was, so I was shooting a lot with friends and learning and stuff like that. But it, obviously all of a sudden you start thinking, oh, I can make a lot of money with this. And um, it's a little bit different than your expectations. You probably understand that as well. But yeah, so after about six months of shooting, I just said, hey, 
um, let's take a year and learn and not try to charge. Don't charge if you don't have to. Um, just learn, try to get as much content out there as possible and give it a shot, see if you like it. And so I decided to start vlogging. Um, so I was doing all vlogs all by myself. It, I always recommend to everyone, if you do start anywhere, do vlogs because it teaches you so much. And this is the third time I tell you this. Full disclosure, this is the third time we have this uh, podcast. First <laughs> time we didn't record it. Second time, well, we didn't record it because we, it was just a conversation. But second time, um, I was too excited. <laughs> <laughs> too excited to get on the podcast. Too excited to be uh, to be in Juan's presence here. Um, but yeah, um, so basically I shot vlogs the whole time uh, for about a year. And during vlogs, when you're doing it, you have to kind of, you know, shoot so quickly and react so quickly to situations because you have to tell a story, you have to talk to the camera while interacting with the people that you're with if you're not alone. I started alone because I knew I couldn't manage that. And you also want to shoot some pictures for Instagram, keep that consistency and learn through there as well. So learning your settings inside out for your camera is like a necessity. So it like forces you if you really want to improve, if you have the mentality. Um, so yeah, that's how I started out. I did vlogs and then after a while, even like two years, two months into that year, I told myself I wouldn't ask for payment. I got a gig. Um, and to be honest, it taught me so much because I bombed that gig so bad. Yeah, I charged them way more than I should have. Nice. Which was very low, but like at the time I knew nothing about shooting. And I got a gig and then after a while, people started asking about weddings and portraits and that's how I picked up. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. That's like the ideal kind of, you know, spend a year to learn. And I think that takes a lot of, I guess, courage and also just determination to say, like, I'm not, especially when you're starting to think, like, I could make money off of this, to say, no, 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 like, let's give it some time to kind of not focus on turning this into a career yet and just really go into a learning mindset. That's because I feel like. Even for me, like I'm starting to think like, oh, how am I going to make money off of this? Like, I feel like I'm at a, p- a point where I'm pretty good at what I'm doing. There's always ways to get better, but I feel like now I can start considering this as like a lucrative thing, mm. you know? And it's, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, as we talked about it last time a little bit, it's always, it's a give and take. Obviously I knew that just from my previous experience and my background and the way I got out of the music industry that I was going to want to hunt money right away. I was going to go after it and I have some discussions with friends and sometimes money does take away a little bit of creativity um, just because there's so much pressure. Um, I don't know. I think, I think it's obviously you need to live off of it. So if you do plan on, you know, making a little bit of money and your time is valuable, like someone can't just pick up a camera and then shoot and edit and deliver the way that you would after spending three years learning Mm -hmm. your camera in the industry and all the tips and tricks that you learn along the way. Um, and paying for the software to even edit the stuff. Like there's so much more that goes into shooting pictures and videos than just pressing a button. So um, obviously I think that after a while that needs to become something that you are charging for and a source of income. If, even if it's just like once a month or once every other month, um, if someone, if your work is good enough, you should be charging for it. If you want to keep it a hobby, some people do, then don't charge for it. Just do it for fun. That's cool. Um, but like for sure like there's like for example i would i don't think i'd ever want to get a paid gig for guitar like i play the guitar at home from time to time it used to be a lot better um, but i haven't played it in a while but 
I would never want to get paid for a gig ever. Mm-hmm. Right. So I feel like some people want to keep that a hobby. Do so a hundred percent. And I have friends that do that and I appreciate them because they are really good at what they do. Uh, they've got a very particular style, but they don't want to push it forward. And even though I, I was like, Hey, you could make money, but they're like, no, they don't want to. So that's awesome for them. But for me, I think I am trying to keep this as a little bit more of a sustainable kind of career path and maybe my only career for like in the future. So, yeah, I think if you have the mentality right off the bat, it'll cut a lot of the creativity out of your, your process and you'll end up just trying to get the easiest way there. And yeah. And you'll end up missing a lot of the, the fun part of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's tough because I feel like people will tell anybody that has like this passion for something like, Oh, you should, you should make a living out of this. Mm -hmm. You should sell this. Or like, if you're, if you're a good baker, you're like, you should, you should, you know, cater or something. And then without really considering how that person truly feels about their hobby, if they actually do want to take it to the next step and, or like turn it into something more of a business. It's, yeah. I guess, because we're sitting here and we, we have this mentality of like wanting to turn it into something sustainable. We, and other people might not really see it as like, it is just a hobby for other people and that's totally okay too, mm. you know? Yeah, cause like my mom makes amazing food, amazing food. And obviously everyone's gonna say that, but like my mom, especially her soups and like the, the creativity that she sometimes put into this. I'm like, mom, like start a restaurant. Like food is food, it'll sell. Yeah. So, but she's like, I like to make food because I like to see the reaction on what it does on people, but people I care about. So if I were to do this mundane, it would become, sorry, a mundane thing that has no value to me. And like the whole back end of running a restaurant is very exhausting. So mm. she was like, no, I don't want to do that. So, yeah. That's awesome. Talk to me about vlogging. And cause I started doing video through vlogging because I figured you know, like this would make sense because then I can capture kind of where things are going wrong, like what points of improvement I can make and also show a little bit more of the process as a creative in starting out. What was it that you kind of like kind of talk to me about your process in that and how you again, because we shot together and like the way you just moved and the way you thought about things and structured the setup in an hour. Mm. was like very pinpoint and precise and also there was a lot of there was not a lot of things that were missed Mm. essentially like kind of how do you develop that um, process as a vlogger yeah well it's it's cool that you notice and you're seeing the correlation between the vlogging and this because i think it has a lot to do with it Mm -hmm. because at first i went out there and vlogged and did all this on my own so i had to learn to cut the bullshit real quick um but yeah, I'll answer that. But first, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Go for it. What do you think is the hardest, hardest thing about vlogging? I think the hardest thing besides getting over the fact that you're speaking in front of a camera is capturing a coherent story. Mm. Um, that was one thing I know that I struggled a lot with, even to this day, just because it's so easy to just for me to ramble. And for me to miss the point or say things out of just filler than actual substance. But also the idea of, but if I did keep it super concise, then I get a minute. And that's 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 it. And that was tough for me. And the other thing was obviously doing the video of making it like flow. So again, part of turning it into a full story. That was the hardest part for me. Yeah. And I think that's where people 
don't see the value in vlogs. Like when you have good vloggers, like um, Peter McKinnon, I think is one of the best ones, I think, um, in terms of vlogging. Uh, when you have people like him and you watch them and, oh, he's just talking about his daily life. Yeah, that's, first of all, his life is interesting. Let's put that out there. Mm -hmm. So like for me, my life is boring or it was boring. So it was hard for me to, like you, like you, you had to create a cohesive story that flowed and was interesting. And it's always the hardest part. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, now that I've gone through a bunch of vlogs, I can kind of apply that mentality to anything that you're doing. Whether it's a set of pictures that you're posting on Instagram as a carousel, or even just one picture and a caption, or a full video that you're shooting in on set. Um, so when I, to answer your question, um, through that, when I started vlogging, like I would just go out there and just shoot whatever. And you become very self-critical of everything. To me, it was the story, but at first it was like, to me, it was really capturing what I was saying to the camera to tell the story. I just, I couldn't speak to the camera very properly. And I'd try to always try to cut in between two words and I'd mumble my words and like not articulating properly. That was the hardest part for me was because I'd always come and post and oh boy, what did I just say? Like, I can't use that. It just makes me look stupid. Um, and it doesn't add anything to the story. And that was the hardest part for me was the the actual speech to be able to tell the story. And mm -hmm. I still, like a lot of people will tell me that I'm good at communicating my ideas, but I still struggle a lot. Um, the other day I was telling a guy, he, he gave me a hat and I was like, oh, this hat's decent. But I didn't mean decent as in like, it's bad just because I was expecting from the context that I received, I was expecting something way worse. Mm -hmm. But then the guy's like, oh, okay, this guy's a douchebag. <laughs> but yeah, so communicating for me was a very difficult point. But the way I, I think I went about it was when I would make a vlog, I think posting it has a lot of, adds a lot of value to you at first, even though you're not proud of it. Have you ever posted a vlog that you're like, this is terrible? Yeah, the very first one. <laughs> Okay, but I mean like recently, like there are parts of a vlog or a video they are like, uh. Um, in my mind, yeah, I, I would say yes. Like recently after, like well after the first one, there were mm. moments that like, oh, this clip isn't really something that I would be comfortable mm. like putting out because it feels unpolished and mm. I just fumble a lot, but you know, like it should just go out there. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's that was a strong point that I learned through vlogging was if you never put your work out there, you're never going to be able to judge yourself mm -hmm. or actively critique, like give yourself good critique on your work to improve. Because if you, I learned this through producing, to be honest, the music world, because you can make tons of beats and never post them and then tell yourself that you're the best DJ in the world. But if you post a beat, you find out real quick whether that's true or not. So um, I would... I knew I had to post a lot of stuff, whether it's photos on Instagram or vlogging on YouTube. And it allowed me to be able to really, to understand what I want to put out there. Because when you're, when you say something stupid in the camera on shoot, on set, or when you're shooting whatever on set, like it's a very formal environment for vlogging. Yeah. But when you're out there and you're vlogging and you're talking to the camera and you say something completely ridiculous, but you have to use it to tell the story all of a sudden that makes you rethink how you want to talk the next time. How mm -hmm. you, what you want to talk about, what you want to bring, what kind of elements. All of a sudden you're like, this story, I'm just literally talking about coffee the whole day. And unless you're Peter McKinnon, it usually turns to be very boring. But yeah, I think that 
it was really the process of creating, posting, analyzing, feedback, coming back to that, and mm-hmm. just making sure that feedback and analysis part of the whole creative process was implemented strongly into the the whole kind of workflow. Right. Okay, I think I understand. So that's kind of where the idea of posting it um, really comes from is first, you got to get over the fact that like it sucks because mm. you can just not post it and either say that you're the best or you're the worst, mm. but that is not moving anywhere, mm. right? But once you put it out there and you get the feedback and you can actually look at it from a point of just not like keeping it to yourself, that's when you kind of have the opportunity to then say like, hey, for next time, let's do this, let's do that. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting because you say like you live a boor- or you lived a boring life and I mean most I feel like I would also consider I live a pretty boring life. But I think there's also a skill that can be acquired to capture those boring things in a very interesting way. Um, Peter McKinnon. <laughs> there was a there was a comment on one of those YouTube and I think this is where I really understood the storytelling aspect of his vlogs was I was watching him and he was cleaning out his garage. Literally something that most people would dread and consider to be like a waste of your time mm. unless you truly needed to clean it. Yeah. And I sat there for 10 minutes and just watched this guy clean his garage. And I'm like, the story was him cleaning his garage, but you were still able to kind of draw the attention. And yeah, like it's to be able to kind of teach that is is actually really hard and to be able to Mm. kind of learn how that, how he did that and how you could apply that to your own content is actually really hard. I don't know, I think, like you could spend hours studying Peter McKinnon and shout out to him because like, like I don't think he was making a lot of money before YouTube mm-hmm. picked up for him. Like I think he was making okay, but not necessarily like a huge, huge amount of money. Mm-hmm. But I think he's just so authentic. And at first it wasn't like now, I think he's struggling a little bit more to keep it authentic. But um, I think at first he was very like, just it was just him. And he was such a good person and like not particularly good at everything. I don't know. So I, this is a completely off the topic tangent, but there is this video and they're asking girls, what do you prefer six pack or dad bod? And it's something like 80% of the girls said dad bod. And most of them, the reason why was because it's more approachable. It's more comfortable and it's not like so polished. Mm-hmm. And when I kind of thought about that on my own, like my work, not necessarily my body, but like my work and my personality and, you know, you can apply it in so many different situations, but if something is just too perfect, there's something about it that no one wants to touch it. You know what I mean? They're like, Oh, okay. Something's wrong here. Kind of deal. Like it's too good. Um, like I don't deserve to be part of this or whatever. So because I think that he started off like a little bit less polished and it was very authentic, very him instead of him trying to make everything perfect and like, like, I don't know, I think that that played a huge role in him growing as quickly as he did. Um, but yeah, I think authenticity bleeds through really quickly yeah. and people can read it and feel it. And because there's so much saturated content that as soon as there's something that's a little bit unauthentic, people will just turn off. It's, it's very easy for it to kind of shine through. Like you can't really fake it for too long, for sure. And I do understand that feeling of 
when it's too polished it gets very you get very suspicious of like whoa like what's going on here like that's too good almost but then yeah because we we've gone that so many times just like you're the branding on 2m like the way you guys post and everything like the way this page looks is ridiculously good mm. and almost to the point of like scary like i don't know if i can be part of this um and i do agree that yes like a lot of his success has probably contributed to just being very raw and like there's no need for this perfection thing but then you also want to make sure that you're not just like letting all these mistakes run around like how do you kind of balance that then because yeah. eventually i'll be swinging to this towards like authenticity in terms of the creative space and how do you put yourself in that place of being authentic being you and still being able to express like a story that might not all, might not even be yours no it's a good point and to be honest I, don't, I would be a fool to say that i know how to work that formula but I don't know, like when you look at Peter McKinnon, like at the beginning, it was very raw. Mm -hmm. Like if you go back to his first vlogs, it's literally just a camera and audio from the room. But then like probably six months later, when he got a little bit of success, he's shooting on a C200 mm -hmm. and like with a boom mic and it gets real professional. But no one notices that because of his story. So I think what I meant by like the authenticity was like, it doesn't matter what he's shooting on. His, it's, it's the message, it's the story and it's him mm -hmm. as a person. That's what he's selling. Right. Not everyone can sell that. But I don't know. I think that because like he's just an overall good person, like either he's he's fairly older. So he's like, I think he's more weathered and he's dealt with a lot of people. And like when you look at his dad and his mom, like they're from what I can tell, they look like really outgoing people. So like I think he had a good environment to be fostered and to have like a good mentality and good values and stuff like that. So I think that's that had to play with it. Not everyone has that. Um, we're all growing, but I think that he had such like a, a friendly Canadian approach to it um, that people don't notice the amount of quality that he puts in his work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because like it went from like I said, just a DSLR to like a C200 with a boom mic, studio lights, like an aperture, and because I think he almost ridiculizes every, the whole process a little bit from time to time. Um, I think that's what's cool. But and I think that's what people vibe off of. Mm -hmm. um, I talked about it briefly, briefly last time. But the podcast, like you said, you watched him literally clean his garage for like ten minutes. Yeah. And like, never would I ever want to clean my garage. But I just watched this guy do it for ten minutes. So, agreed. Like I was listening to their podcast. I've never even watched Game of Thrones, and I listened to them talk for forty-five minutes about Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. But it's because their personality. But also. I think it's when there's a, I think one element could be that if there's a separation between the quality of authenticity and quality of work produced, mm -hmm. it's like, if it's like, oh, it's too good of a video, but this person doesn't seem authentic, then it tends to throw people off. I don't know if that's making sense, but like Peter McKinnon is like, it's so authentic and it's so him and it's so refreshing that people don't even notice the quality of production and work. They're just like, oh shoot, that's good. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, he's actually a really good, you know, video creator and photographer mm -hmm. and he knows all this stuff. I think, actually, I think his work has decreased a little bit lately, but no, they're just kidding. Um, I think his, I think he brands it very well, but yeah, I think that has to do with like the quality of both aspects as well. It's not just like, cause you said, um, just to answer your question, you said um, like 
how do you balance that? Mm -hmm. I think you have to increase both. And if you increase just the production, that's where you're lacking a little bit. Is that authenticity that that purpose behind what you're doing, I think needs a little bit of boost. Right. No, that makes so much sense for sure. And then so with that in mind, what is the purpose in your content and what you're producing? And you're always upping your game for sure. And mm -hmm. I, I've watched like some of your older stuff and where you're at now, right? And the progression is there, and, but what is the purpose? It's a good question. So just gonna mention it briefly, but I don't wanna go too much into details, but I did come back from a conference and I met a lot of high level conference, uh, content creators and just amazing people. And the purpose of that conference was to also help us discover our purpose. And I don't know if I wanna put a finger on it right away is because I don't want to like say this is my purpose and then all of a sudden the next year I change and then everyone's yeah. like, oh, well, Vince, you said this like on Juan's podcast and all of a sudden you blow up and two million people think that this is my purpose. <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't know if I want to commit to something right now. I do know that I am working a lot on myself more right now. Maybe it's a little bit more selfish, but there's something like just if I can't, well, there's huge debate, but if I can't really... I don't know. I want to be able to up the value that I can offer before I can start offering it. Right. I mean, there's this debate that if you don't have money, you can't give money, but you can actually help other people in other ways. But mm -hmm. it's not about the money for me. It's just, I want to be able to provide more value in a way that I'm comfortable with. Um, so my purpose, I think right now, like just a general idea would be Oh, that's a tough question. Oh, you just threw me down a... A huge curveball. Yeah, no kidding. I, it's a good question because I should be thinking about that. I should every Everyone should be thinking about that because I'm reading this book called Grit by Angela Duckworth, I believe. Nice. Great book. And she talks about purpose in a sense that like not necessarily purpose, but your overall theme, like your direction, your mm -hmm. what is your passion? And that should be the one factor that determines all your decision making. Right. So I think for me, it's really, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be something that's related to positivity because that's one switch that I've applied to my work this year and it has changed my life. Yeah. Just being more positive, having more positive thoughts, being surrounded by more positive people, mm -hmm. I think has made a huge impact in my life recently. So whatever that purpose is, it's going to be related to that. And it's interesting because I wanted to bring it to the creative side, obviously, in that mm. styles, right? Some styles aren't as popular, aren't as trendy. Like we can shoot in a style that is moody and dark and other people can shoot in like an airy kind of lighter tones. And some one of those two will hit more people, right? Um, and as a creative, especially in a position of trying to turn it into something sustainable. Where do you draw that line of like, this is, oh, this is where I stick with, you know, like I like this style. It, it may not be the most popular, it may not be the one that gets me the most gigs, mm. but I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, like where do you kind of draw that line? Cause that's an interesting kind of decision because we creatives, we don't want to sacrifice a lot of our creative control over things for sure. But we're also trying to turn it into a living sometimes. and Yeah, I mean, I have that question every day. Whenever yeah. I'm posting something, is this like literally what I want to mm -hmm. 
declare my brand as or is this okay and that's why I had the hardest time fitting and choosing colors and a theme and mm-hmm. I think I'm finally settling into a theme for myself um, and I've gotten a lot of positive feedback but it's a very distinct unique theme like colors are very limited in that so it's very conscious yes. of a theme but like how do you draw that line between like oh this is good and this is popping because like a lot of a lot of stuff it's like super saturated and like nice travel colors and those that are really like standard a lot of people like them because older people will like them as well because there's lots of colors and like younger people will like them because it's just a nice landscape but then if you show like this super moody desaturated with like like a little bit of teal undertones and um like you know like the well the way i have it is a little bit more in the cinematic world not mm-hmm. everyone's going to vibe with that but i think i think it's about being conscious about it and again implementing that feedback analysis loop into your work um i think i think that if you because that's a huge debate because sometimes i'll see pictures and they have like a super uh, they have that yellow orange highlight in the mountains. I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, that's an amateur mistake. But some people like that. This thing's got mm. 3000 likes and I'm looking at my picture and I've got 152 and I'm like, well, clearly this person's doing better, but then there's so much more that goes into that. So you can't get that in your head, but oh, that's, like I said, it's such a huge debate. And I think I'm at the point where I'm like, you know what? I think I'm okay with what I'm doing. I'm still able to learn from my mistakes but I want to define that as a particular niche and not trying to go towards the whole group, but a specific amount of people and the people that can actually relate to the art. You know, so it doesn't really answer the question because it's, I think it's just a constant debate. Like it mm-hmm. just never ends. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Like we're, it's, there's definitely a lot of things that kind of go back and forth and you do have to start weighing pretty much every day if you're posting every day kind of really figuring that out yeah um, and i mean like it's because it's so geared on so many other factors but like for example i just said like that i didn't like the yellow highlights on big landscapes and stuff like that all the time but then someone might be looking at my work and like well why does he have teal under like shadows hmm. and stuff like that why is this guy doing he might be thinking the same thing as me and thinking my ideas and the way i'm coloring stuff and it may be super dumb but i think I don't know if this is a good segue to move into it, but like when we both edited the video we shot, those are two very different edits for two very different audiences. Mm -hmm. Like mine was very quick, very like intense because that's kind of the Vince Blaze. Like, I mean, that's more of what I like to do. That's more the speed. But then you gave it a lot more of a, um, like a slower, more relaxed and more like kind of, I don't know how to explain a little bit more of a warmer feel mm-hmm. to it, more human feel. So mine might be a little bit hype and for the people who are down for that, but then you, it might be a little bit more for the people who, you know, just want to kind of enjoy something and kind of get a better understanding of the environment and stuff like that. So like, those are very two different audiences. I think as long as you're making a conscious decision and it's not just by mistake, that's why learning your tools inside out, like learning your editing and learning different techniques and what the meaning of composition and all that stuff in lighting as long as you're making like those as a conscious choice and making it as a cohesive theme, as a story, as we mentioned before, 
and then putting it out there and then having that feedback loop inside, I think that's the best part. Cause then you'll be like, okay, well, this is the kind of vibe and this is the kind of people I'm attracting. And the thing you'll notice that if you post something that's really quick next, then people are going to be like, what the heck's going on here? Mm-hmm. So, um, like, I'm not saying you can't change your brand, but yeah. yeah. That's interesting because, so I've been thinking about that lately, like the way you described the video and then mm-hmm. the way that you edited your video. Um, and in my mind, I'm like, so in a situation where you kind of like both and you want to post two different styles and just yeah. like back and forth and stuff, you know, like that's a, I don't know why, like I personally, I would just post it and be like, I, this, this, this time I'm going to turn it into a speedy, like very hype video versus the last one, which is a lot more slower paced. Is there an issue? Do you find that ever to be like a weird thing or have you stayed consistent with like the hype with that fast paced cuts? Um, or have you ever considered like doing it differently every now and then just to kind of tr- test out the waters? Well, like I said, dep- mm-hmm. it, huge amount of factors depends like if you're doing this for yourself or not, if you're posting it, who you're posting it to under mm-hmm. what like um, platform or what you're doing it for. Like, is it um, like, is this because you're doing it consciously or not? Like if, cause if it's for a client, then you're not posting that for yourself. So you're editing to their brand. Right. Mm-hmm. So if it's that way, then there's that. But if you're doing it, let's just keep it under the context of yourself and let's just say it's posted on Instagram yeah. or whatever. But to me, I want like, that's the way I want it to come off of as a story. Right. So that's the way I edit. Like that's like I told you when we were shooting, we were shooting shots the way I was seeing it. And I saw it even quicker than what I edited, but like, that's the way I want it. But you can tell that someone else can tell a different story from that. So how do you tell the balance on whether you can change or not? Depends. What stage are you at in life? Like, Mm -hmm. are you in the learning stage or are you already diving into like, who's your brand? And like, I think that's the debate I had for the longest time is I didn't want to define my brand because I would, for example, for photos, it was usually the case. I would edit a photo and then the next picture, I would try to apply like a similar preset or similar colors and it just wouldn't work. And then I would edit it completely differently. And then, oh, this looks way better like this. So like reducing and choosing consciously the the colors and stuff like that just was the most frustrating process because I was like, yeah, but I'm ruining the pictures. But that being said, I think less is more in this case and less in the sense of like less variation, more mm-hmm. consistency, more um, to be able to tell a story on a long term, I think is what I try to apply to all my work. Right. And I think that that's a specific choice that I made. If you're like a production company, the speed and pace of your videos and your posting are be different, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Cause that's a different story that you're telling for your company. But like for me, consciously, I made that choice that I wanted to be a little bit more cohesive as a whole of the content. So if someone were to fall on my YouTube page and see a video and then go to my Instagram, they'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. Like this is that kind of person. Right. You know, this is his brand, this is him. Instead of being like, oh, well, he's got a happy, jolly, good, like super crazy hype energy vlog. And then go to the picture and he's like moody posing. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you'd be like, who is this guy? And I think yeah. that goes back to that authenticity of like, who is this person? Mm-hmm. And that's why I stopped vlogging. Because it wasn't me. Like I like I said, I felt awkward talking to the camera. Like I was trying to create ridiculous stories when that wasn't the case. Like I was right. trying to make everything interesting and everything was boring. I'm like, oh, there's a bug here. 
Ah, I see. I'll some yeah. some like, oh, Chipa just fell and like, you know, it just ended up being feeling fake. Yeah. Even though sometimes it was like honest reaction, it would just feel fake and forced. So I think that's why I stopped the vlogging for me. Mm -hmm. Some people really can push that and I admire those people. But yeah, I think it, like I said, it's that authenticity and choosing what you want. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's fresh. <laughs> Talk to me about then. So you mentioned if you're in your learning stage or in your a stage where you're, you've defined what it is that like you want to present yourself as like, where are you at in your uh, career now? Mm, good question. Look at my Instagram. <laughs> no, um, I think, yeah, this goes back kind of to the purpose question mm -hmm. a little bit, but I think for me, I want to, cause hmm, that's a good question. I think that by doing all this content, I kind of noticed the patterns of what I like to do and what I enjoy to do. And I just want to build my lifestyle around that. Like travel, I want to implement that in my lifestyle so um, that it feels real and it's not just, well, I don't think it's fake because I traveled yeah, and yeah. I shot those pictures myself, but some people will call it fake. Really? Haters, yeah, the huge. Um, I mean, you probably get your bunch. Everyone does, it doesn't really matter. Not everybody loves my stuff, man. Yeah, you sure? Every <laughs> single person? Everybody that's ever watched. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. I don't actually know. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for the one like harsh hater to be like, this, oh, this sucks. you never hear those. Oh, I like, know. oh, actually, I don't know. Peter making it always says that he gets a bunch of haters. But, but I mean, like the real haters, the ones that like never comment and never like yeah. and never say anything and just ignore you and unfollow you. <laughs> those are the real haters. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I think that for me, I'm just creating that lifestyle and really being able to add value. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the process of getting my company up and running and we shot a promotional video for a restaurant and I think he's going to really like it. Yeah, We're about to submit that, yeah. it and it tells a cohesive story and I'm super pumped on it because it's, it's so it's authentic because it, we wanted to shoot a little bit of an interview with him and it's him talking about his restaurant and it just comes off really authentic because it is, it's him. I didn't force any lines out of him. Nice. Everything was him. And the one lines that I asked him to say just to present the restaurant, we didn't use. We used him presenting it on his own at the beginning. So it's very like, that's the kind of stuff I want to do because this small little restaurant who doesn't have access to a big budget, high, yeah. Yeah, a big budget and high quality could still get high quality. And I'm not saying that like, we're only going to be pitching small restaurants and small companies, but just having the infrastructure available for, you know, small businesses and even bigger businesses, I think is something that's very valuable for a lot of companies. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Like I saw the, the behind the scenes on that on your Instagram and I was like, oh, oh that looks super hype. Like, yeah. that's super, I, I was like, what, what restaurant is this? Now yeah. I'm curious and I'm, I've been waiting to see kind of where like the, the big production stuff that you've been making kind of pops up, so. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that too. <laughs> um, one thing we'd like to ask, so if you're comfortable, like what was the hardest thing that you had to deal with as a creative? And how did you kind of get over that to get to where you are today? I asked you that last time, that's cheating. <laughs> Man. <laughs> but that, that last time it doesn't exist anymore, so you know. Oh, okay, yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> this is the first time we're recording this podcast, right? Yeah. Um, hardest thing. Yeah, I think mm, that's a good question. Hardest thing I think is being okay with not being good enough. 
flat out, like being okay with not knowing something. Cause I wouldn't be, I would be on a set and like try to act like I know everything and, you know, um, try to oversell myself because I'm claiming to be this person, but I'm not, or, you know, like being okay with having an ADD and not, uh, C200. Yeah. To shoot videos for clients, you know, like, I think that was the hardest thing I struggled with. And that's why I mentioned that, like adding one little drop of positivity every day or as much as possible into everything that I create, everything that I embody in my life and my, you know, in everything and trying to remove the negativity and has played a big impact on overcoming that. Um, I don't know if a lot of people are going to think this is weird because every time I ask them this, they think it's weird, but I do, I, the positivity aspect was self, um, affirmations. So I literally started earlier this year, just every morning, well, not every morning, but when I would remember it, I would literally sit in the dark and just tell myself I'm a positive person. And I would like, a lot of people will have multiple ones and I would say other things as well. But the main one that I had to repeat to myself was I'm a positive person. And it like, I can't even believe the amount of change. And I can't say that it's just from that, but I think it stems from it is reminding myself who I am because I am a positive person and I truly believe it. But when you get in those dark moments and you're really uncomfortable and you're not happy and like things go wrong, all of a sudden you lose that. And if you can really remind yourself that you are positive, you start being positive. And I think that has a big impact on how I've improved over the last year. Dude, that's awesome. Talk to me about like real quick about how that felt for the first few days, weeks that you started doing self-affirmation. Like, nothing, yeah. nothing, to be honest. Like there, I didn't feel anything. Like I would sit there and be like, this is weird. Um, I would be like, oh, like, am I the only one doing this kind of deal? But I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it for myself. And that's all that matters. I think it started kicking in when all of a sudden I'm getting project after project and like people are inviting me for weddings and all of a sudden something very positive would happen in my life. And I mean, not everything's positive. Like I just recently lost my Ronin S back in BC. What? Um, yeah. Dang. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but there are so many positive things that happened in BC that for me, it was like, and maybe this is very like rich white boy talking right now, but like <laughs> to me, it was like, oh, okay, like I can't even complain about losing that Ronin S because mm -hmm. I am fortunate enough to have gone through that experience and I will be able to, like, I was able to buy another one when I got back, nice. which helped me arrive the day before the wedding yesterday. So I was like, but yeah, I think it, I think it's in those moments. It's like, Oh, I lost my Ronin S and I didn't break down crying or I didn't, I didn't get mad and like get frustrated and blame someone else for no reason, because that's not who I am. And that's not who I want to be either. So I think it feels on a daily basis more like, yeah, this is me and this yeah. feels good. And that's exactly where I want to be. Um, and I just noticed way more positive things just happening. Like us shooting a really dope video. Like to me, I consider that I'm very fortunate for that. And like being able to have met you mm -hmm. and interact with you. And now we're recording this podcast. Like to me, that's a positive thing. And I don't know if that would have happened if I wasn't in the right mindset mindset. I think it might've been like, I think your mindset has a huge impact on what happens to you. And 
I don't know what the, oh, I forgot who said it was a Gandhi or no, I forgot who it is, but it's like what you, th- like what you think happens or what you think is or something like that. And that's true. Like I feel it and yeah, I'm just super thankful for everything that's happening. So dude, it's amazing. I'm glad that you stuck through, like, because if you said that every day didn't really feel like anything, but you know, you really push through it because that's one of the, one of the things that people say that the most successful people do is things like morning routines and self affirmations and stuff. And it's clearly worked out for you. And that's awesome. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I recommend it to anyone who wants to try it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have that's a awesome. question for you. Go for it. Um, let me pull on my phone a second. Um, going to throw another curveball yes, at me. Yes, curveball. Here for half an hour. Yes. So this one's more of a technical thing. Sweet. What's the most important thing according to you in your workflow? In my workflow, it definitely has to be organization. So, and I think as a like a filmmaker, as an mm-hmm. editor, whether it's photos or videos, I spend a lot more time actually looking for clips looking for that photo Mm. or that one preset that's lost in like five different folders (laughs) yeah like it's that it's keeping organized because the time that you spend hunting really detracts from the way you start thinking about like the next clip you're going to be editing or the next shoot that you're going to go on and you only have so much time and if you can optimize that every day a little bit better like the five minutes that you take to breathe or like organize your folders or something mundane like that or just like figure out a naming structure like i have sticky notes all over my screen now just to kind of remind me of like things like formats like instagram only does right like you know i want my i want my videos to be 1080 by 1080 or like some sort of uh, dimensions like i've put that on my screen because i always like think about it and now i've just made it uh, made it much easier to not have to. Hmm. So that that has helped me like speed up my workflow. That's one less thing I have to think about because I know like it's right there. I can trust that. I don't have to look up the internet like, every time that I'm making like a short clip for Instagram. They'd be like, is it actually yeah, 1350 yeah. by 1080? I, I don't know. Yeah, I still look up. <laughs> yeah. So that, that to me has uh, been the most important like technically. Okay, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good answer. Yeah. yeah, I definitely agree on that. It's, it's huge. It's definitely, yeah. I would recommend it to anybody that like figure out your organization system. Yeah. I think Dar- I was talking to Daryl about this and I hope to put out that video at some point, but <laughs> it, we, we just kind of hung around and we just started talking about um, how he organizes his, mm. his files because you guys shoot a lot. Mm. You guys are what, three filmmakers. Like you guys are, there's three shooters, right? Talking about me, you, Daryl and Chris. Yeah, Chris. Yeah. There's three shooters. There's three fought three people sending in files to him to edit yeah like how do you manage that amount of like content yeah you need something right and i'm not saying that everybody is going to end up shooting that much or we're gonna have to deal with that much but even just a short vlog you'll want to have something that keeps you sane and not lose stuff 100 Mm percent. yeah i think for me number one is there's two things it's number one is Intention. What is my intention with everything? I think that creates, that has such an impact on my workflow because if I have an intention to create something that's really fake and I don't really feel good about it, Mm -hmm. then my workflow goes to 0% productivity. But if I'm really feeling good and it's authentic, then I can pump a video out really quickly. 
Um, but second thing I think is anything that affects my productivity. So organization being a huge one. Mm-hmm. If you, like I'm editing these wedding videos for this company and <sighs> looking for the footage through there, because I've never seen any of the footage is the worst productivity kill because I'm like, I just want that one clip that I saw three weeks ago when I was editing and I have to look through the whole footage just oh, to try God. to find it and scrub through it and the, the computer's lagging and nothing's working. And then I like, mm-hmm. minutes later, I'm like, okay, I'm going to work now. Like, yeah. can't do this anymore. So yeah, productivity is huge. Yeah, I spend a lot more time scrubbing through footage than it, and it's a, it's my footage. Like I should know like what I shot, right? But if you're you haven't even shot, you haven't even seen those. You didn't shoot those, so mm. yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a, that's a good question. Like I, I like that one. <laughs> like definitely more like value add for sure to anybody that's listening to just pick up and be like. Yeah, well, that's usually what I keen on mm-hmm. and try to get out of people the most because like if I can enhance my workflow, whether it's faster or better or just more purposeful mm-hmm. then a hundred percent that's the only thing that i can actually implement from other people into my system because if they're like oh well i shoot dolls like what am i going to learn from this person like i'm not saying like they can't teach me technical aspects but i'm talking about the workflow or the way they approach things and i go oh okay yeah that's okay. a good point yeah um one more question. We're so, going to have a three-hour podcast again. No, we're not going to have a three-hour no, podcast. No. This is usually the last question that I ask. Okay. But if you have any other questions, you know, feel free to oh, okay. throw it Well, my us. Bible of questions. Is no. <laughs> <laughs> um, if somebody came up to you and, you know, like out of the streets, like, hey, Vince Blaze, you're that guy that, you know, put out that video. Or I saw your photos on Instagram and I want to one day do what you're doing. You know, create content that's compelling tells a tra- like tr- story focused on travel, whether, whether it's like creating uh, the creative diary or photos, like what would your advice be to that person if they're starting out? Oh my, oh, I don't feel like I'm at a stage to teach and help people. Oh boy. I would say, be honest with yourself. If there's one thing, be honest with yourself because more and more, I can notice a lot of people that are trying to get into this for the wrong reasons. And it sounds so cheesy and like so many people say, and you're like, oh yeah, do you really know people like that? Or are you one of those people? I don't think I'm one of those people. I genuinely enjoy what I'm doing. And um, like when you get hyped off a video after you've done the edit and you're proud about posting it, like I feel like that gives you a pretty good sign and you're not posting it because like, oh, like you got a hundred likes and you're all down. Like I'm still cool with it because I'm happy about it. Um, but yeah, I would just say, be honest in terms of your, your intentions, be honest about everything. Like that feedback loop, like I said, like when you are, when you're going out there and you're shooting, if you don't know how to use your camera, be honest about it, be okay with it, but be honest with it. And then when you come back home and you're like, okay, well, that was a ridiculous shoot. Like I was overwhelmed. I didn't know how to shoot. Um, I didn't know. Like I was, um, I was with this girl at uh, in BC, and I was trying to coach her a little bit on how to perform, and she was really overwhelmed with everything. And like I've been in that situation as well. Earlier, like I was shooting with another guy, and he was very specific on the way he wanted things, and I felt overwhelmed. And we had to retake shots like twenty times. I'm not even kidding, because I kept on messing up. Um, but being honest with yourself would like coming back home and be like, oh no, that guy just, that he doesn't know what like he wants or like he's so specific, he's so picky. Like, no, 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 what's the issue here? Is it honestly because he's picky or because I can't perform? So like I said, just being honest about everything 
I feel like a lot of people will hear advice from other people. Oh, they'll create advice in their own head. They're like, oh no, you need to shoot this frame rate and not this. And okay, like if, where's the proof of this? Why, why does it look better? If it looks better, are you being honest? Does it look better? Or does it look better because you think it's better from what your knowledge base is? Like being able to, like I said, have that feedback loop and being looking at this from a neutral perspective, I think is the biggest thing. So honesty, 100%. I feel like you're in a great position to give advice like that. <laughs> Most people will always say like, I don't know if I'm in the right place in my career to give advice, but that's exactly the kind of stuff that might slip as if you're further along, you have other experiences that yeah. might seem more important, but because you're so much closer to somebody that's starting out, I feel like that's a lot more value. And that's why I asked that question. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know that, that advice to me is like, because it can apply to anyone at any level. Mm. Like if you're talking to a professional, usually what people will say is advice is like, Oh, just go out and do it. But a professional is not just going to go out and do it. Well, they might, I'm over exaggerating a little bit, but like go out and do it is more something that they tell to beginners or mm. stuff like that or something you've never done. But be honest with yourself. Like last time we had like a huge discussion about this 30 minutes and be honest with yourself. Are you okay with this or not? Or yeah. are you okay with um, being in a little bit of stress because you actually don't know fully how to do this kind of shoot or, you know, like being honest with that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you, you'll learn really quickly whether or not you like it or not. So honesty, always key. I like it. That's awesome, man. Thanks for uh, answering that question. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to ask or bring up before we start wrapping this up? Because we don't want to have another hour and a half podcast that I end up not editing. Yeah, no kidding. No, I would just say, <laughs> yeah, last time we did mention, like, if you guys did get some value from this, anyone who's listening, feel free to send DMs like or message or, you know, interact on content because we both shot a, well, we shot a video at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights and we both did our own edit. So feel free to take a look at that. Give us some feedback. Um, and let us know, yeah, like interaction, I think, as I was talking to you earlier, is the best thing that we need to build off of in our community. And instead of like trying to rip off of other people, but really like genuinely trying to create a community and build friendships and learning from each other. And yeah, so I would just say like, if you guys really enjoyed it, let Juan know, go to his uh, 2M creative page and, you know, hit a comment, letting him know what you thought about it and what stood out to you. And, yeah, tag me if you want to so I can see it. I'll try to scrub through the comments from time to time, but yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, send uh, Vince a message. Let him know what you guys think about his video and what you thought about our video. And again, once you finish listening to this podcast, you know, send us a message and let us know what you think you want to talk about more in detail because we're always open to hearing more of your thoughts because we want to bring as much value to you guys, you know? Yeah, and just to give a little bit of an example so people are not like, oh, well, they're just asking for people to... To come on, leave yeah, a come, comment. Come yeah. and follow and whatever. Um, when I listened to your podcast earlier about Keo, um, and then I tagged her in a story and then she reposted it and she just recently reposted it again. So shout out to Keo. Um, but like what, it's not because she reposted it. It's because to me, it shows that it affected her. Like she was, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like she was proud. Well, I, I'm putting words in her mouth, but she was happy to hear that someone else was listening to what she was saying and the value did like I, what she said did add value to someone else because it did to me. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I, yeah, like I think that's cool that that community, like I mean that communication and had I just been in my own thoughts and not told her that I appreciated or not tagged her or whatever, 
she never would have known that. So like, that's just an example of like reaching out to people and letting them know you appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's huge. Absolutely. Yeah. And just because the, the content looks fresh from both sides doesn't mean that it's unapproachable, you know, definitely mm-hmm. uh, feel free to just drop in a comment or send a DM there because don't be a stranger. Yeah. We're human beings. So mm-hmm. um, where can you follow your work and support you as you move forward in, in your career? Yeah, well, I mean, the two, I think the two biggest ones would be obviously my Instagram, which is Vince with two eyes, Blaze, B-L-A-I-S. So at Vince Blaze, um, if you want to see a lot of photo and just kind of more the, the direction, I think overall, if you're on there, that's the best way to uh, kind of follow my work. Also, I do have a YouTube channel, so feel free to subscribe. Um, I post a lot of my work and there's a lot of stuff that's probably going to pop up through there fairly soon. Um, as I mentioned, video is my focus. So... Yeah, a lot of stuff's happening. There will eventually be an Instagram account for the company and stuff like that. So those will come through as well through Instagram. That's awesome, man. Uh, thanks for doing this episode for the third time. Thank and, you. And uh, we'll definitely be hanging out some more and yeah. keeping in touch. Fourth episode. Fourth episode. Are, are we going to post this one? Or are we not? I mean, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'll, I'll send you the final copy and we'll decide. Yeah, I'll probably listen to it. But like, that was embarrassing. Please don't post it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for doing this, man. Appreciate it. Cheers. If you like this episode, iTunes ratings are dope and helps us lots. Share it with your friends, subscribe and get notified for when the next episode drops. Consider following us on Instagram and send us a message to let us know what you think of the episode and we'll see you in the next one.